Good morning, Maple Grove. Man, hey, uh, I want to let you guys know that I'm wearing a t-shirt today. Yeah, my wife's clearing her throat. I didn't want her to see it. Uh, it, I I went to a retreat a few weeks back, and and a retreat designed to encourage pastors, and and, uh, the theme of the retreat is live well, finish strong. And, And so I wanted to wear that today for me. Not for my wife, because she goes, you're wearing a t-shirt today. And Courtney goes, nice t-shirt, pastor, right? You know, I I know I get accused of dressing up too much on Sunday and trying to show off my wardrobe, and I apologize for my vanity. (laughs) But anyhow, that's why I'm wearing it. This is for me, because that's what, you know, I'm, I know I don't look it, but the clock is ticking, you know, and, and I don't know if I'm on the final turn, but that final turn is coming, and I want to live well, and I want to finish strong. If you live well, you're going to finish strong. And if you finish strong, it's because you're living well. So this is kind of me and God today, me saying, God, I'm, that's what I'm about. I'm about living well and finishing strong for you, for your kingdom, and for your church. And I get to wear a T-shirt and all that too, which is a, which is a bonus. All right. Hey, we're in week two of our sermon series, The, the Messages of Christmas. And last week, an elderly couple... Zachariah and Elizabeth and a teenage girl, Mary, unpacked for us the message of destiny. And remember, here's our destiny as Jesus followers. Our our destiny as Jesus followers is to become more and more like Jesus and bring God glory by doing all the good things he created in advance for us to do. Now take a moment to really think about that. That's some crazy stuff. You and me becoming more and more like Jesus. You and me with the way we live our lives and who we become. Bringing God who spoke everything into existence glory. And you and I doing all the things that God prepared in advance for us to do. Like like the creator of the universe created you and said, hey, there's some things I created you and designed you in advance, and I want you to do those things. What a destiny we have as Jesus followers. Amen? Okay, two, you said amen. That's all right. Y'all need to wake up. (laughs) Good job, Bob. And and listen, the fallen quote from last week we talked about is true. We are not permitted to choose the frame of our destiny. Becoming more like Jesus, bringing God glory, doing the good things he prepared for us to do. But what we put into that frame is ours. You see, like each of us have the same destiny, the same destiny, but we're all unique. And the way each of us live out that destiny is unique to us. You know, see, you're, you're not one in a million. You're one in billions and billions, right? There's never been anybody like you. There never will be anybody like you. What God wants to say through your life, if you don't say it, it just won't get said. Amen? You're unique. The other two quotes last week are also true. Your history is not your destiny. See, don't let your past keep you from the future that God has for you. Amen? And listen, at this very moment, the other quote from T.S. Eliot, 
destiny waits in the hand of God, shaping the still unshapen. You see, your destiny is waiting for you to fully step into it. God's just waiting. Hey, when you step into it, he's waiting to shape that destiny. And when it comes to your destiny as Jesus followers, if it's not too late and if it's not too early, then the time to begin fulfilling your destiny is now. Get it? Get it? Get it? Good. Father God, we love you. And God, this time of year can be crazy and busy. And sometimes you and what this is all about gets put on the back burner. God, thank you for the incredible destiny we have because of that baby who laid in the manger. And God, I pray that each of us will be excited about becoming more like your son, about bringing you glory, about doing the good things you uniquely created each of us to do. And God, I I pray that uh, today as we lean into your word that our hearts will be open. And God, my hope and my trust is in you and your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me tell you where we're going in this uh, message series on Christmas as we celebrate Christmas and end the year 2023. Today we're going to talk about the message of obedience. On Christmas Eve, as Courtney said, it's 5 p.m. We sing songs, we light candles, we have a very brief conversation by me, and then we're done. And next Sunday, during the day, during the a.m., we're going to talk about what is the most important, most needed, and most powerful Christmas message of all. You know, one of the things at this retreat I went to that allowed me to wear this t-shirt this morning, (laughs) uh, they had a guy who who ran Dale Carnegie for the Southeast, and you know, he, he, he was a TED coach talk, and so he would watch our sermons, you know. And, and so I sat in a room with this guy, and he just beat me up and everybody else up. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you do that? And I'm trying to be better. Um, and I have to send him a tape, and I'll watch it again. One of the things he said, he was watching the sermon, and I used the word probably. He paused it. Why do you say probably? Either is or it isn't. And my notes I initially had, I'm going to tell it. Next week we're talking about what is probably the most important. I cross it out. Because I remember my friend, Jim. I better say probably because he may be listening. Jim, if you're listening, right? No, w- w- next week we're going to talk about what is the most important, the most needed, and most powerful Christmas message of all. The message of salvation. I mean, what did the angels say when they, lit up the, when they lit up the sky? They said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Savior. Understand, Jesus left all the glories of heaven, put on human flesh, and entered the muck and mire of this world for one primary reason, to save it. To save us. To save me. To save you. To save us from the penalty of our sins. To save us from the wrath of God. So that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, if you really think about it, our salvation is the reason for the season. It, our salvation is the heartbeat of Christmas. Yes, that baby born in the manger whose, whose birth we're celebrating was born to die. I mean, uh, the, the shadow of the cross hung over the cradle. It was born to die for me, born to die for you, born to die for the world that God so loves. Amen? And since we're talking about the message of salvation, I thought it would be 
incredibly appropriate Christmas Eve 2023 to have a, a baptism Sunday. Understand, 2,000 years ago, baptism Sunday, Christmas Eve, what are you waiting for? 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his guys and us his great commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age, Matthew 28. 18 through 20. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Uh, Peter preached this powerful sermon in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, first time the gospel was ever preached after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension to the Father. Basically saying, hey, this Jesus you killed actually was a Messiah you were waiting for. You killed God's son. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Understand what we see in Scripture, what Scripture teaches, is that in baptism, it's in baptism where a repentant believer meets the grace of God. Buried with Christ, arise and live a new life. And here's the deal. If you've not yet been baptized, immersed in the name of Jesus, I say, what a great way to celebrate Christmas. Amen? If you have questions about being baptized, you can go on our website. I think I have a picture of it, maybe. There we go. I'm getting fancy on y'all, right? You go to our website, click who we are. You click on baptism. You'll find there a baptism statement of our church. You'll find a personal study of baptism. I have something that you can do with your kid. Courtney did this with Liam. It's a study that you can do with your children so that, because sometimes when kids are real little, like I don't remember a whole lot from when I was 10, right? You know, I'm sure I was 10 at one time. You know, it, it was a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. But, but if you have them do this book and you keep that book, and then when they're 20, 25, 30, and they go, why, why did I make this decision? Did I even know what I was doing? They see the book. They see their own handwriting. Yeah, I knew what I was doing. I knew exactly why I surrendered to Christ. Uh, there's also on here an a awesome video, Why Baptism is a Big Deal. It's a famous on YouTube by me, you know. And, and you, can, you can watch it two times speed, so it only takes you like nine minutes on two times speed. And so you can watch that about baptism. Any questions, you can ask me about it anytime. And, uh, but you don't have to wait till next Sunday, right? <laughs> you know, the day's the day of salvation. If you not make that decision, the water's warm, it's ready to go. I got towels and swimsuits back there. Amen? Amen. All right. Again, this morning, the message of obedience. And we're going to look at the life of Joseph, or the, at least his life in the Christmas story. And this event takes place right after Mary returns from her visit with Elizabeth. You see, after her encounter with Gabriel, Mary travels to her aunt's house, Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant at the time. And I've always loved that encounter that Luke paints of Mary when she gets to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth says to Mary, she come, Mary comes in, she says, God has blessed you. And this is Luke chapter 1, 42 through 45. 
God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Question, why are we so blessed that God the Spirit would not only visit us, but live inside of us? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Mary's, John's in Mary's womb, John the Baptist, he's about 24 weeks old, and, and Scripture calls John what? A baby. Therefore, I will always call what's inside a, a, a mother's womb, I will always call it a baby. Regardless of, of what our fallen world has chosen to believe. Amen? And I really love this last part. You are blessed... Because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Wow. Mary, you actually believe that God would do what he said. All right, let's do this. Joseph and the messengers of obedience. Before we do, quick announcements and a take two. Here's the announcement. Uh, men's gathering tonight for prayer. Men's prayer gathering, 3.30 p.m. tonight. All right? Um, and basically, we're going to pray. That's what we do. We get together, we pray for personal prayer needs, um, for God to move during this Christmas season. And, and I know that we have calendars are busy and life is crazy. Um, and why would I put something at this time of year at church on a Sunday afternoon? Because prayer matters. You know, if you can't make it, guys, that's fine. But if you're sitting home just watching football, I mean, I'm going to watch, I mean, the Patriots are actually on, and it's a win-win for me. If they lose to the Chiefs, I'm happy. It helps our draft pick. If they beat the Chiefs, I'm happy because I hate the Chiefs. So no matter what, I'm going to be happy about it. But you know what? I, I'm going to be here praying. And so if you're just watching football, you're just, you can take the game or you can watch reruns of it, but we're just going to pray. Pray for your family, my family, for the church, for those in need during that time, you know, and, and we're out within an hour. So I just encourage you to be a part of that today. And guys, if I haven't guilted you enough, that's okay. You know, uh, I'll do some more. But guys, you matter and prayer matters. And one of my goals, I'll just let you guys quick heads up before I take two. You know, one of my goals in the coming year, two goals really, is really get our discipleship thing going, become a place of disciples who make disciples, and really ignite a fire on men. And have the men in our church just take off and do great and incredible things. You guys, some of you guys are so much smarter than me, so much more gifted than I am. And if you guys get lit on fire for his kingdom, look out what can happen. And so, guys, that's why I'm doing this prayer thing. That's why we're doing the wing night. Because I need you guys. God needs you guys. So this church can be everything that God wants it to be. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, take two. Now Mary stays with Elizabeth. For about three months, and she goes home, uh, most likely after John was born. And it's here after Mary returns home that we meet Joseph, her adopted dad, uh, Jesus' adopted dad, and we begin to see the powerful message of obedience lived out in his life. Matthew 1, verse 18. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. The birth of Jesus Christ. And the word Christ is a, it's a title, 
Not a last name. I, I came to faith at 19 and had no background. And I, I don't know how old I was or how long I was a believer. Then I found out that that wasn't his last name. I kind of thought if they had name tag Sunday at the synagogue, it would be Mary Christ and Joseph Christ. And I found out, what? His last name isn't Christ? Really? Oh, that means, it's a, there's a lot I didn't know back then. And still a lot I don't know. In case you didn't know that, now you know, right? It's a, it's a title. It means anointed one. It means a Messiah. And, and the idea of being pledged was that this was a legally binding engagement. Now, how old do you think Joseph was? No, we don't know, but how old do you think he was? Now, I did a little research on this, and I found that prior to 400 A.D., the tradition was that Joseph was in his teens to late 20s. And then the idea was born that he was a whole lot older. Now, why was this shift? I think because of a teaching that was beginning to take root that Mary remained a virgin for her entire life. The perpetual virginity of Mary, which some believe to this day. But that made it, see, that made it hard to explain how we read in Mark 6.3 that Jesus had at least four brothers and two sisters. Well, how could Mary be a virgin if there were, he had six brothers and sisters? Oh, Joseph must have been a widower who brought these king kids into his second marriage with Mary, all right? Uh, but I, I think he's a guy in his 20s. I, I watched the, the star on, on uh, Friday night, and he, he was a young dude, right? So <laughs> if the, the cartoon got it right, then he must have been young. Before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want her to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You ever wonder how Joseph found out? Like, did she tell him? Was she starting to show? And how did Mary start this extremely awkward conversation with the man she was engaged to? Have you ever had to start any of those kind of conversations? Those tough, difficult conversations? Ending a relationship? Asking a friend to repay a loan, asking a roommate to move out, dealing with a rebellious teenager, giving your boss feedback on his behavior, confronting a loved one with a substance abuse. They're tough conversations. There is a book that can help you besides the Bible. You know, it's called Crucial Conversations. It has four authors, so I'm not going to bother trying to name them. Crucial Conversations, and it's about when when you have different opinions, high emotions, and the stakes are high. High emotions, stakes are high, different opinions. How do you have these conversations so it doesn't blow up? Because have you ever started a conversation like that and it kind of blew up because you did it the wrong way? Well, this book can kind of help you. Hey, how do you do it the right way and have those tough conversations? So, guys, put yourself in Joseph's sandals. What would you think? How would you respond? I mean, he was no doubt looking forward to the day when he'd be able to take his bride home, begin their lives together, and now talk about being hit by a freight train. I, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if he is not the father, then somebody else is. Yeah, the woman he loves and is planning to marry has been with another man. 
And Joseph is not buying her story at all. And I wouldn't either if I were him. So Mary tells Joseph she's pregnant. And as far as he's concerned, Mary has not only betrayed him, she's humiliated him publicly. And he has every right, according to Jewish law, to drag her in the public square and have her stoned to death. But Joseph, according to Scripture, is a righteous man. See, he's not the kind of guy to strike out in anger, to demand his pound of flesh, to seek revenge, to make decisions based solely on his own feelings, own welfare, and what is best for him. Instead, he's the type of guy that thinks of others. And does the right thing, even if doing the right thing isn't easy, even if doing the right thing hurts him. Bottom line, he's unwilling to hurt Mary, so he decides to divorce her quietly. I mean, no need to drag in a bunch of people who do not need to know, right? I mean, I mean, Joseph could have, in his hurt, made sure that his family and Mary's family and all their friends knew what kind of person Mary was and what Mary had did to him. But he didn't do it. And what example Joseph is for us, right? You heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. But spirit-led people don't, right? Yeah. Spirit-led people don't hurt people. Just because you've been hurt does not give you the right to hurt someone else. Just because someone hurt you does not give you the right to drag the reputation through the mud. Amen? Spirit-led people act differently. As he considered this, about divorcing her quietly, an angel appeared to him in a dream. So apparently God knew what Joseph was even thinking, which means God knows what you're thinking. Angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, I know you're hurt. I know you're afraid that if Mary did this once, she'll probably do it again. But Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In this dream, God tells Joseph three things. Number one, that Mary has not been unfaithful, that what Mary is saying is true, that the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And number two, Joseph, you don't need to wait for the 18-week ultrasound to know what the gender is. You're going to have a son, and as his adopted dad, you get to name him, and you're to name him Jesus, which means God saves. Number three, Joseph, your son is not going to be an ordinary child but he will actually save his people from their sins. All this occurred, Matthew says, to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. The prophet would be Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. She'll give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, God wrote those words through Isaiah 700 years earlier. Understand, God always keeps his promises. But they unfold in his perfect timing, not in our imperfect, I want it yesterday timing. Amen? Just because it hasn't happened yet, brothers and sisters, does not mean it's not going to happen. Because if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen because God is trustworthy. Amen? Look, the virgin will conceive a child, 
your birth to son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us, which is insane and overwhelming if you think about it. God, like capital G God, always existing God, all-powerful God, the God that breathed out this universe that spoke in existing universe of billions of galaxies and billions of stars. The God that created this planet we're on right now that is floating in space, revolving around the sun, spinning on its axis. The perfect tilt, right, from the sun. The perfect place in the Milky Way galaxy. That God is with us. My line is God. Your line is with us. And especially if you're going through a hard time right now, you have questions or doubts and fears and concerns and worries, you're just going to remember this, right? You ready? God? Okay, that doesn't count. God? 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 And isn't that good news? Like he's with us right now. He's with you in your doubts. He's with you in your worries. He's with you in your struggles. He's with you in your fears. He's with you in your hopes. He's with you in your dreams. God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took Mary as his wife, but he didn't have sexual relationship with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So Mary and Joseph, they, they fast forward the wedding date a little, but they do not have sexual relations until after Jesus was born. And I say that's pretty commendable, right? I mean, they're already married, and they wait. Most people can't wait before they're married. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord, angel Lord commanded. And what I find interesting about Joseph is that everything we know about Joseph is based on what he did, not on what he said. Because Joseph is never quoted one time in the Bible. I mean, everyone else in the Christmas story gets a speaking part. Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, the angels, the wise men, the shepherds, Herod, and even Bo the donkey from the movie Star. Joseph, not a single line. And now we see God speaking to Joseph three or four times. And rather than listening to him speak, we end up watching him do we watch him respond to Mary being pregnant. We watch him respond to the angel appearing to him during a dream. And we watch what he does when he wakes up from that dream. And listen, what Joseph does, we see this powerful message of obedience lived out. And it's my hope and God's intent that each of us today, December 17, 2023, will leave here wanting to be a little bit more like Joseph and embracing, and embracing the message of obedience in our lives. From Joseph, we learned at least five things about obedience in that first Christmas story. First, obedience can be embarrassing. Understand, Joseph being obedient to God's plan was embarrassing. I mean, if he did not buy Mary's story, and he didn't, right, until the angel showed up, no one else would either, right? Joseph, I can't believe you did not wait until you were married. Or, Joseph, why would you marry a woman like Mary? An immoral woman who was unfaithful to you. 
And listen, this obedience being embarrassing had long-term effects. In fact, years later, when Jesus was in Nazareth, his hometown teaching, someone shouted out from the crowd in John 8, verse 19, Hey, Jesus, where's your father? Oh, that's right. You don't even know who he is. Yet sometimes obeying God can be embarrassing. I mean, ask the great military leader Joshua. Marching around the walls of Jericho, playing music. I mean, what what do you think the soldiers on top of those walls were thinking, looking down, watching this army, going around, playing music and singing songs? Hey, Joshua, do you musicians take requests? How about Noah, building an ark in his front yard in the middle of a desert for 100 plus years? Embarrassing, especially for his kids. Dad. This ark in the front yard is killing our social life. And it can be embarrassing to us as well, today, right? It can be embarrassing not to do certain things or to go certain places because of your faith. It can be embarrassing. It can be embarrassing to profess your faith in Christ and your belief in what the Bible says about certain issues. You seriously believe that God created the world in seven days? By the way, I, I don't believe that. I believe he created in six days and rested on the seventh day. How'd you for a second, right? <laughs> six days. You believe the Bible teaches about sexuality, about marriage, about life beginning at conception, and about gender, that God created them, male and female? Come on, get serious. You don't really believe all that oppressive, made-up, patriarchal stuff? I thought you're smarter than that. Haven't you heard what the experts are saying, what the media is saying, what our government is saying, and what all those social media influencers are saying on TikTok and YouTube? Remember, brothers and sisters, that all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Amen? I mean, that's my anchor. And this chaotic word, if I didn't have that anchor, I'd be going crazy. And that's why our number one core value, right, is we honor biblical authority. But listen, it can also be embarrassing to admit you're wrong, to choose humility over pride. It, it can be embarrassing to ask for forgiveness, to own your mistakes, to confess your sins, to turn the other cheek, to go the second mile. Obedience can be embarrassing. It also can be inconvenient. It was inconvenient for Joseph to move up his wedding plans, and begin his marriage with a pregnant wife and a child on the way. Great, now I need a bigger house and a bigger paycheck. And this inconvenience in obeying God didn't stop at the manger. When you read Matthew chapter 2, we read some more commands that God gives Joseph. Joseph, get up. You need to flee to Egypt. But my carpentry business is here. My family's here. Joseph got up and obeyed. Hey, Joseph, several years later, it's time to leave Egypt and go back home. Seriously, are you kidding me? We're finally settled in. I got a good job. Uh, Mary has a, a, woman's, a woman's group that meets in my house each week. Jesus loves his school, and he loves his t-ball coach. Joseph got up and obeyed. And then later, 
when he makes plans and he pays rent on his, on his new apartment in Judea, God says, hey, by the way, you need to return to Nazareth. And Nazareth, unlike Charlottesville, was never voted the best place to live. Instead, as Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yes, from Joseph, we learn that obedience is often inconvenient. For that matter, it was inconvenient to many people in scriptures. It was inconvenient for Abraham at the age of 75 to, to leave his father, his country, and his home. It was inconvenient for Jeremiah to not only preach a message no one wanted to hear for 50 plus years, but was also unpopular with the elite and ruling class, resulting in his beatings and imprisonment. It was inconvenient for Esther to go before the king, for Peter, Andrew, James, and John to leave their fishing business. And obedience can be inconvenient for us as well. Baby Grove, it can be inconvenient to give up your plans, to go to a movie, watch the game, go out to eat, etc., because someone needs your help. It, it, it can be inconvenient to give up a night each week in order to join a life group, attend a Bible study. It, it can be inconvenient to commit to serve somewhere at Maple Grove on a consistent basis. Because what if something comes up that you would rather do instead? And by the way, there are always places where his church needs help. Like we got a lot of people working. And sometimes you think, we don't need help. Let me tell you, we need help, right? I mean, every Sunday we have people show up 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30 to get ready for worship, right? Every Sunday, you know? We got a guy in the booth, um, Mr. Bart Atkins, like he's been doing, I think he was here at the manger setting things up or something, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the drummer boy, hey drummer boy, come on, get, get on beat or something like that. Okay, it, it, can be, it can be inconvenient, right? But we all have a place we can serve. We all have things that we can do. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 4, 6, talking about the body, church's body, as each part does its own special work, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Amen? Uh, obeying God does not always fit neatly and conveniently into our plans, our schedule, and our agenda. Amen? It just doesn't. It just doesn't work that way. In 1987, you know, God decided to make my obedience very inconvenient. I had nine and a half years in the Navy, ready to enlist 1987 for a $50,000 bonus. My plans were to go officer, retire at 38 with health care and pension for life, and then go to Bible college. Then the summer of 1987, God said, Steve, I really like your plans. That's really a good script, but I got a different one. And by January 1st of the next year, I'm attending classes in Bible college. It's not always convenient to serve God. We can't be like, God, you know, God, I think I have some time Friday, December 17th, 2027. By the way, December 17th, 2027 is a Friday. But, but God, call first in case something else came up. We can't do that, right? It's going to be inconvenient. Yeah, it's going to be embarrassing. And it doesn't always make sense. It, it, it didn't make sense that, that Mary was pregnant and never was with a man. It, it didn't make sense. Hey, you have to wait 
to consummate your marriage until the baby's born. It didn't make sense to make all those moves he had to make in those early years. Sometimes what God asks us to do, it doesn't make sense. It, it didn't make sense for a shepherd boy to walk into a valley to face a 10-foot giant. It, it didn't make sense for an orphan queen to approach the king. It, it didn't make sense for, for Moses to rescue God's people at age 80. He's probably thinking, God, couldn't you have done that burning bush when I was 40? It didn't make sense for Gideon to face an army of 100,000 with 300 people. It didn't make sense for Peter, James, Andrew, and John to leave their nets, to leave their business, to follow a guy they just met. A lot of what God asks you to do, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to pray for your enemies, to bless those who curse you, to forgive those who hurt you, to put the needs of others before your own. To give your offering to God when you're having a hard time paying your own bills? Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to serve in the church when your schedule is already overloaded. It doesn't make sense to keep trusting and trying and serving even when there seems to be no reason for you to have any hope whatsoever. It doesn't make sense that I should surrender and be baptized into Christ for forgiveness of sins. It doesn't make sense. Why do I have to go into the water and have someone take me under to be right with God? Because God said it. <laughs> God said it. That settles it, right? Amen? Beast usually comes with a price. Obviously, embarrassment, inconvenience, doing things that don't make sense. But Joseph paid a, a very tangible price every time he had to load up the U-Haul and move to a new place. Understood, throughout the pages of Scripture, we see example and example of obedience come with a price. Hebrews 11 is full of men and women whose obedience came with a price. People who God said in Hebrews eleven thirty eight, 38, hey, the world is not worthy of these people. That because of their obedience, these people were tortured, they were persecuted, they were mistreated, they were flogged, they were in chains, they were in prison, they were stoned to death, they were beheaded, they were killed with the sword, they were homeless, they wandered in deserts, they lived in caves and holes in the ground. Jesus didn't hide the truth that obedience is pricely. All right, he, he said in Mark 8, 38, if anyone will come after me, he must what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see what? The price is, our obedience is us dying to ourselves. Is that hard for anybody besides me? Man, you know, there's a rock group called Petra. You know, when I came to the Christ, like, I, when I started going to church, like, really, that's music. It's like church music really, it's like, wow, it's, okay, and, and I still love Jesus, and, and then I went to a Petra concert, they're like a rock band of the 80s, and they had a song called Killing My Old Man, it's about killing, you know, dying to yourself, and, and I remember, I, I had these really good speakers in my car, and I'm at a stoplight one time, and I'm singing Killing My Old Man, and someone looked at me like, what are you singing, you know, and one of the lines song, like, every time I think he's gone for good, he keeps coming back, I don't know about you, it happens all the time, right? Like my old self, being self, making it about me comes back, right? But it's about dying to self. And Jesus not only commanded it, he modeled it. Philippians 2 says, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, 
even death on the cross. And what Paul said just before those verses, he said that we're to have the same mindset of Christ. That, hey, I'm going to be a servant and I'll be obedient even to the point of death. Listen, obedience often comes with a price. What has or is your obedience costing you? Maybe the price that obedience will ask you to pay is to break off a relationship that's not God-honoring. It may be to sit at home or in your dorm Friday or Saturday night because you refuse to go out and do those things anymore. Just not going to do it. And you know what? I'm home by myself watching Hallmark movies. I'm just not going to go there anymore. It could mean you don't have as much money to spend on what you want because you decided to stop making excuses and start honoring God with the resources he's blessed you with. It may mean you have less time for yourself because you decided to serve him. Not just in this building, but sometimes more importantly, outside of this building. It may mean you don't get the promotion at work because you refuse to bow down and do something that just is not right. Basically, it's the prices to live a life that's no longer about us. But, but let me ask you a question. Do you think Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, Esther, Joseph, Peter, Paul, John the Baptist, Jesus, etc., regretted the cost they paid? Do you think they got to heaven and said, man, that cost me too much. can't believe I gave up doing those things. can't believe I did that. you think they thought, no, they thought, man, they would have said, man, you know, I gave up more to experience what I am right now. And finally, and, and, and if you feel kind of like gut punch, this is a little encouraging, okay? Obedience will always be rewarded, amen? Always be rewarded. I mean, think about it. Because Joseph obeyed God, he got to be the adopted dad of God in the flesh. Like, he got to see God, he got to hold God, He got to carry God. He got to teach God how to swing a hammer and how to cut a board. None of that he would have experienced if he had not obeyed. Amen? Deuteronomy 5, we see this principle of the rewards of obedience clearly laid out. Deuteronomy 5.33. Walk in obedience to all the Lord your God has commanded you so that, someone say so that, you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. In other words, when you obey me, you'll really live. When you obey me, you'll discover a prospering life. You'll discover life in all its fullness. Obedience is always rewarded. Remember in Luke chapter 11 when Jesus is teaching, someone shouts out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Maple Grove, your obedience will always be rewarded. Always. And here, here are a few quick rewards that should motivate you to obey more and more. Number one, being used by God. That's why God was able to use Joseph and Abraham, Moses, David, Esther, Mary. Can you think of a greater reward than being used by the creator of the universe to accomplish his will? Can you think of a greater reward than being used by the creator of the universe to accomplish his will? Go ahead. I'll wait. There is none. Another reward is knowing God more. Apostle John writes, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. You see, there's something about obeying God that helps us know him more. 
Yes, doing what he says and living how he desires, it just, it just helps us know him. It helps us get him more. Amen? Another reward is pleasing God. And I think a lot of us need to return to that childlike faith that Jesus calls us to. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know how little children want to please us all the time? You know, whenever my, my grandchildren visit us from Indiana, they never come empty-handed. They come with cards and crafts and letters, right, because they want to please us. And like right, right here is, you know, this is a creation of, of my um, Asher, my grandson, along help with Ezra the youngest. They made me a, a football helmet that he has a merging of the Louisville Cardinal logo and the Patriot logo, right? Because they're from Louisville. But you know, they were proud of that. And, and, and then, you know, they always know when they come to visit that Nana's going to make spaghetti. And, and so this was on our refrigerator, you know, world's best chef that has a picture of spaghetti, right? And why do they do that? Because they, they want to please us. And that, that's what our faith is in obedience, it pleases God, you know, and just like, you know, I, I kept this. I didn't throw this away. It was on the refrigerator. God goes, he wants to take your obedience to him, you pleasing him, and he wants to put it on his refrigerator. I mean, can you think of a greater reward than you please God and God is pleased with you? And you, you get to heaven and go, whoa, I remember when I did that for you. I didn't think you even noticed, but you noticed, and it's on your refrigerator. Another reward is confidence of where we stand with God. See, it's hard to have confidence where I stand with God if I'm not obeying God. You ever been there? Like when we know we're disobeying what God has asked us to do or not to do, how confident are we where we stand with him as the Titanic is sinking? Okay, there's a lifeboat for me because I don't know if I'm ready to go under yet. But we're obeying God to the best of our abilities. God, hey, I know I'm not perfect, but God is, and me are good. I'm doing the best I can. He is for me, he's with me, and he's helping me become the me he created me to be. And when we're living in open rebellion, disobedience, it's hard to have that confidence. And the reward is the blessings of God. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. I understand, we're about done, but there's joy that comes with obedience. There's freedom that comes with obedience. There is peace that comes with obedience. There are blessings, favor, and grace that come with obedience. Amen? And, and here's one. In light of Baptism Sunday, Right? Check this out. Okay? Peter replied, we have the command. He says, repent. And that's an imperative. Imperative means it's what? It's a command. And be baptized. Another imperative. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. So there's a command. And where's the blessings? Forgiveness of sins. And they get the Holy Spirit. Right? The blessings of God. Freedom, joy, peace, blessings, favor, grace. And one more thing we tend to overlook, protection. 
See, a lot of things that God tells you and I to do or not to do is to protect us. Like, he's a lot smarter than you and me. And obeying him is for our good, not our harm. Like when he says, forgive those who hurt you, it's to protect you from the poison of a bitter heart. When he says, put the needs of others first and die to yourself, it's to protect you from the emptiness of living a selfish life. Uh, when he says to be generous with your resources that he's blessed you with, it's to protect you from the real misery, bah humbug, of being a miser. Many of the things he tells us is to protect us. For Joseph, we learn that being is going to be embarrassing, inconvenient, doesn't always make sense, comes with a price, is always rewarded by being used by God, knowing God more, pleasing him, confidence where you stand with God, and experiencing his blessings of joy, peace, freedom, favor, grace, and protection. I'm going I'm to read those Blessings. I mean, just think about it. Being used by God, knowing God more, pleasing God, and experiencing the blessings of God, experiencing real joy, peace, freedom, favor, grace, and protection. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Brothers and sisters, it's Christmas 2023. And I say, what a time it is for us, like Joseph, to embrace the message of obedience. Question, what is God calling you to obey this morning? And we're going to sing a song and take communion. And, and I think the song is really appropriate for this time of year. We're singing the song, Make Room. And, and sometimes this crazy season, work parties, buying gifts, wrapping presents, visiting people, can get so crazy that we're kind of like Mary and Joseph, right? We say, hey, I'm sorry, there's no room in the inn right now, right? And, and guys, I just pray, you know, Christmas is only, what, eight days away but that you and I make room for him like never before. And if there isn't room for him, then something needs to be kicked out so there is room for him. Amen? Stand and pray with me as we sing. If you've not picked up your communion, it's off at the various stations. Remember, that's where we collect our offering. Father God, we love you. Thank you for this time to be in your house. Lord, thank you for the rewards. And Lord, you know, obedience is tough. Embarrassing, inconvenient, doesn't make sense, come with the price. But God, it's always rewarded, Lord. And God, I, I pray that this Christmas and as this year ends, the new year begins, that I will make room for you by obeying you more and more. And I pray that we'll be a church that makes room for you and your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.